I would say that most people, and certainly most Christians, and I would hope all Christians, would answer this in the affirmative. Yes. There are some, there are those who would outrightly say, love God, I love the Lord. No, of course I don't. But I think it would be far and few between. But I have another question for you, and that is, how do I know that it's true? How do I know that I love the Lord? Well, first of all, John, stay with me here, John has already given us some instruction. If you go back in your Bibles to John chapter 14 for a moment, in John chapter 14, in verse 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So it is not that John has been without instruction regarding the evidence of our love. That is, very clearly he has taught that if we love him, we will keep and obey that which God has said to us. If we were to compare, and I won't do that this moment, but I would encourage you to do so. If you were to compare with John's writing in the epistles, you would find that he adds the same teaching that if we love the Lord, we will then obey what he says. And he also adds to that, that you will show your evidence of your love for the Lord by the way you love the brethren. So whether or not you love the brethren will be evidence as well. And he has taught that we are to be known by our love one for another. And that all comes in the realm of obedience. So it's not like John has not taught on the subject. It's not like Peter hasn't heard the teaching on the subject as to what should be done. However, John is going much deeper for us in the text that is before us. And it's going to be very practical. It is not going to be something abstract. It is going to be concrete. It is going to be specific. While at the same time, I believe, very challenging and also revealing as to where not only Peter is, but where we are. In the context, in verses 1 through 14 of John, which we covered quickly last week, a few things should be highlighted. We are in the Galilean area. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking with seven of his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, if you were to scan those verses right now. While waiting for the Lord, Peter had led in this, and then the other disciples followed. They had been fishing, and they had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. That is important to our text. They had caught nothing by their own efforts. And yet, a miracle had occurred in that Jesus specifically had allowed them, by just telling them what to do, to catch 153 large 
fish. And we know the specifics because the text revealed it to us. They caught them immediately. After spending all night long, immediately they caught these large fish. And as far as I know, in the studying that I did, and you can challenge me on this, but as far as I know, this was the second largest catch that they had. When he called them initially to be fishers of men, it was two boats that were filled with it when they came to shore. And now this is the second most, listen, prosperous opportunity that they have had with the Lord. And he has prepared them breakfast. Again, that was a miracle because he didn't need to catch fish before they got the fish in. He's already preparing them without having gone fishing, if you will. And we saw also from the text that it was evident that Jesus Christ has obviously risen from the dead. They saw him. They spoke with him. They ate with him. And they knew it was him. One other thing leading to the text this morning was Peter. We recall that Peter had been called by the Lord Jesus Christ that he would be fishers of men. That he was called, as well as the other disciples, who would be ministering the gospel. Peter, by this stage, had made some great professions of faith. He had spent over three years with the Lord Jesus Christ and had been provided for in many different ways. We also noted last week that Peter was very impulsive. He was an impulsive man, and, but yet he was a leader of the 12, chosen by God that way. Now, a couple of other things before we get into the text. Let me remind you that Peter had denied the Lord three times, as recorded in Scripture, publicly. He had denied the Lord three times publicly, and now he was in obedience, waiting for the Lord, and yet had gone back to fishing. And this is where we pick up the text, where the Lord had provided that breakfast and reviewing all of those things that had come. And we pick it up in verse 15 with, first of all, this expression, do you love me? And I ask myself that question, and you should as well. Do I love the Lord? And let's start with what he says, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me, first point, more than these? I want to deal with a couple of general things first, so I address them, but also lead in the direction that I feel the text should be dealing with. This text is a well-known passage of scripture. And the point of the text is debated constantly. And I want to tell you right at the outset that I think it is much deeper than the Greek words that are used here. And oftentimes when people learn a language or know a language, that becomes a very fascinating point. And it's not to be overlooked, but also becomes the great point of even discussion. And much has been made about the two different Greek words that are used here for love. And they are the words agape, and they are the words phileo. Okay, both of which in our English is translated love. Usually, it is said that agape has to deal with sacrificial love, the seeking of the good of others, and so on as you study the word. And many times that is true. And with phileo, 
that generally, and I, and I put it that way because it's usually said always, but generally is more to do with affection. And so that you understand the text with the proper understanding of the language. When the Lord Jesus speaks to Peter these three times, on the first two occasions, yes, he does. He uses the word agape. And on the third occasion, when he asks Peter the question, he does use the word phileo. Now, I'm not trying to give you a big lesson, but the point often is that that is the whole meaning of this text. I don't think so at all. And um, he does use that. In the case of Peter, every single one of his answers are by using the word phileo, the one that is commonly used for affection. While I do believe that there is some legitimacy in looking carefully at the Greek text, I don't think that that is the main point of the text whatsoever. In fact, I will tell you this, that even in John's Gospel, that distinction is not always the case. Sometimes those terms can simply be used interchangeably. And I'm only going to give you one simple example out of what we have already studied. Not, and there's many more in John alone. For example, in the Lazarus text, that, you, that term was used interchangeably, both of those words. But let me give you an example right here close by. In John chapter 20, if you look at verse 2 for a moment, it says, So she ran and called Simon Peter the, and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, whom Jesus loved. It is using the word phileo. Now turn with me to John chapter 13, for example. John chapter 13. And verse 23, different text, Pastor Dan. Yes, it is. But I want you to see this. There was, it says in verse 23, reclining on Jesus' bosom, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. That is the word agape. It is the same expression in English, but it is the different word. And all I'm trying to point out to you, sometimes... And you would see this consistently if you went further in the language. That sometimes the, the words can be used to mean the same thing. They don't necessarily always mean something different. And I don't think that's the major point in the text at all. And I'll tell you another reason why. Go back with me to John chapter 21. In the text, that is not the only Greek word that we have two different words for. What do you mean? In the text, and I don't see people emphasizing this, he says, tender, shepherd, the lambs and the sheep. He uses different words for tender, tend the sheep, and to shepherd the sheep. He uses a different word for lambs, and he uses a different word for sheep. Now, if you're all confused this morning so far, okay, I wanted to get this over with. I don't think the main emphasis is the difference of the two words. That's my point. What is the main point of the text? Here's what I'll give you, and then we will study it. Number one, Peter has denied the Lord publicly three times. And he is going to address Peter publicly 
three times to give you the Lord's perspective of him still being the leader of the sheep that's being entrusted to him. Secondly, he wants them, meaning the disciples, in this case, the other six, to know publicly that Jesus has approved him to be continuing on and leading. And the real twist, I believe, in the context is not on the Greek words that he used. I believe the real text and the real importance of the text is on the three practical considerations that we have before us. So let's address them. Publicly, let me say this, as far as publicly, I say that it's still publicly because of the text. I was fascinated by the debate over that that I read, and yet to me it's clear, because in verse 15 it says, so when they had finished breakfast, they're still there. Many feel that Peter and the Lord walked off privately for this rest of the conversation. There is no indication that that is so. They had just finished breakfast. He had helped them bring in the, the fish. And now I believe it's still a conversation right after breakfast. And we can't know for sure, but the context seems to indicate that. And there are no doubts that the others knew that Peter denied him. Now let's be practical. What would happen in your opinion regarding Pastor Dan if you knew Pastor Dan had publicly denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times? Would you as a congregation come together and say, put him back in the pulpit next week? I think that's highly unlikely. Seriously. I know many a pastor who, if anybody fails in any little thing, it's eliminate them. Their ministry is over. They are useless, unable to serve the Lord anymore. Really? These people knew that Peter denied. They had the practical questions. Is he disqualified from leading us anymore? Should we have him in the forefront? Maybe if Peter still continues to serve with us, we should limit his capacity to serve. That is the way men think. So I think the main point here is publicly, he's going to let them see that no, he has been fully restored the same way that he denied. Let's deal with the first aspect, because I think this is the heart of the issue, that Jesus is going to address him publicly and he's going to ask Peter, do you really love me in three different ways? First question is what I've already said. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these. I personally do believe that as I looked at this and compared other times that the Lord's talked to Peter, when he said, Simon, son of John, I don't know about you, but it reminded me of sometimes dressing the, the children, and I've watched even my grandchildren, Sometimes what happens is when we want their attention, let's say, I'm not going to take my children, but let's say the name is um, Tom Bill. You know, they might say, Tommy, would you do this? And when a parent says, Thomas Bill, get over here. There's like, whoa, hold on. You know, or with our children, it might have been, you know, that's Julie, but if it's Julie Dawn, it's, oh, mom means something now, okay? I really think you've got that here. Because when he's talking to him, he really wants his attention. Peter, Simon, son of John, pay attention. Do you love me? 
Now, what are the more than these? There is much debate on that. What does he mean when he says, do you love me more than these? I think there are three possibilities, but only two that would fit the text. Let me give them to you. I'll address it specific. It's possible that he's saying, do you love me, Peter, more than you love the other disciples? But I think that one's unlikely. Some have felt that that's what he's saying. Others have thought, do you love me even more than they love me? It's possible. Or is he saying, do you love me more than these, referring to the fishing, the nets, his job, and keep this in mind in the text. It has been the most profitable that it ever was. I told you last week, not only did the Lord create a miracle and bless them, but now that blessing was going to become a test for Peter. What fits the text? The one that fits it more, and the reason I say loves me more than they love me, if you remember, Peter has told the disciples, told the Lord in the middle of the disciples, or in the presence of the disciples, that though they all deny you, I will not deny you. I will go. And I think that one and the fishing nets fit the context, either one. But I personally believe, and I'm going to say that to you, that while there's nothing wrong with seeing it as that he loves them more, loves more than these other disciples, I really believe that he's dealing with what Peter has been called to. Peter was called to follow the Lord above everything else. Peter's calling was to be a fisher's of men. It was a test. In his life, he was now at the pinnacle of, if you will, even the fishing industry. He hadn't experienced anything like this except when the Lord called him. And now, after fishing all night, he now is 153, which is going to be very lucrative, even for them as fishermen. And this is before them. And when he's looking around and has just fed them, I think it's very practical for the Lord, when they finish breakfast, to be saying to him, Peter, right here, do you really love me more than you love this? Why? He even got impatient in the context with waiting for the Lord. And since the Lord wasn't there yet, he went fishing. And he went back to that. And again, is there anything wrong with that? No, there is nothing wrong with that also. Well, if he really loved the Lord Jesus Christ more than these, and I do think personally it was, and I'll make another comment on that, on um, his fishing rather than the other disciples. If you really love me, then he says, you know what I want you to do? He says, tend my lambs. And you notice he consents to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was sovereign. He says, you know, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, as a leader, he must feed his sheep. He must tend. All leaders must tend to the feeding of sheep. What does that mean, in tending to the lambs? They need to know who God is. They need to know what God expects. 
And I will challenge not only myself, but any other person that puts themselves in a pulpit or in a position of eldership. Our responsibility is to shepherd and to feed the flock so that they would know God and know how to walk with God. All the other stuff is fluff. The primary responsibility for Peter was to concentrate on feeding and tending the sheep. And he used the word with a verb that's a continuous tense. He wants them to continually be tending the sheep. Why? So that they can grow, so that they can mature, so that they can be who they should be. And that's the responsibility that is put onto Peter. Only one thing would keep him from doing that. And what is it? That if he lost his love for the Lord. Why? Because even in this situation, what would be attractive to him would be the fishing industry. Look at the success that it's now producing. What would be able to take him away from tending the sheep? The sheep themselves. Why? Sheep are dumb. Now when I say that, don't take that as derogatory toward you. I take it toward me. We are. Sheep will go astray. Sheep will fight things. Sheep will want to pursue what they want to pursue even when it's dangerous. And the only thing that could keep Peter from not tending the sheep and from not taking care of his primary responsibility would be attraction back to that which he was not called to do. Would also be to look at the sheep rather than the Lord. And he says, if you love me, no matter what, you will do what you are called to do. And that is to tend to the sheep. The world will attract Peter away from that. The sheep themselves, because of the pain, they will cause further pain to Peter. And he will have a tendency to not want to tend the flock. And so what Jesus is saying, even in them, do you really love me? Then really you need to tend to my sheep. Now let me come back to the job for a second and, and deal with a couple of practical things. You must know what you are called to do. There is nothing wrong with being called to be a police officer, a fireman, an electrician, a plumber, a housewife, a grocery uh, store clerk, whatever. The key is you need to know what you're called to do. Peter was called to shepherd the people. He was called away from that. That doesn't mean he couldn't earn some living from it, but his primary calling. And this is a dangerous thing. Why? I'm going to give you both sides of it. There are those who have, and both Pastor Stringer and I have experienced this, leave because they look at a passage like this and say, yeah, my primary responsibility is to just leave everything behind and, and I, and I got to go serve the Lord in some mission field. Then they get there and it's a disaster. They were never called to do that at all. I can remember one specific case where someone wanted, and I know Pastor String will remember it, wanted to go to Canada and he wanted to serve and he wanted to serve in that capacity and Long and short of it was it never came to any fruition, but it destroyed the family in the meantime in trying to do it. He wasn't called to do that, but felt that that was his calling. On the other side of the coin, 
There are those who are doing other things. And the job becomes the attraction to keeping them away from what they really should be doing. Or the sheep themselves, because of the difficulties and problems that come up, cause them to shy away from what God has called them to do. And pastors leave the ministry and go do something else. Or someone who is called maybe to shepherd in a particular capacity ends up leaving that capacity that they are called in because of the attraction of the world or the lucrativeness of it or whatever the case might have been. In Peter's particular case, he had to be challenged right away, restored publicly. But Peter, do you really love me more than all of this? Look at what you have just received by way of production with that fishing industry you're familiar with. Look at what you have just received by way of even being a leader among them again. And if you are, if you love me more than that, then, Peter, feed them. Tend them. Pay attention to them. That didn't mean, and I want you to fully understand what I'm saying, that didn't mean that Peter could never fish again. Not at all. But Peter, get back into focus. What do you know I have called you to do? And if you love me, pay attention to that first. Don't be attracted by anything else and tend them continuously. Shepherd them. That is your responsibility. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. What about the second one? Verse 16. Said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. You know, again, he appeals, you know that I love you. Said to him, shepherd my sheep. The question is different. And I think that's the point of emphasis. What is it? He's gone from, and that's why, again, I do think he's dealing with the industry there of the fishing and all that he could go back to and all the lucrativeness that would be there and all of that could tempt him to be further away from the will of God. You love me more than that? Yeah, I got that back into focus, Lord. Well, let me ask you something else. And he drops the these. He doesn't say the second time, do you love me more than these? Why? Do you love me, Peter? Now I've looked at this. You say you love me more than that, and you can get back into focus to doing what you, you, you should be doing, then feed the flock. But what about you? Where is your heart? Do you really love me? Don't compare it to other people. Don't compare it to other things. Do you? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Repeated in Matthew 22, and I know you're familiar with it. You will find that it says this, that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, just to get in there, with every bit of our being. We are to love the Lord and him first. Take a step back. You say, I love the Lord. First question. Do you really love the Lord more than what this world has to offer? Do you really love the Lord if you know what he's called you to do more than the attractiveness of even the dollar bill? Do you love the Lord and are ready to continue on with the things that the Lord wants you to do more than the people of this world? You say, okay, I can get through that one. And again, I'm not saying leave your job. 
because you can be in any one of those positions, and that's what the Lord's called me to, and I'm going to do that, but I'm going to love the Lord even above that. Secondly, can you love him above yourself? You say, yeah, sure I can. Can you love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind? Or is it hobbies? Or is it other things that's really part of your life? What comes first? Do you come first before the Lord? And that's what Peter has to examine. Yes, there's the three times, but there's a purpose. It's not just to have him repeat it three times. It's also to make him look at different things in his life. First of all, that which could attract him away. Okay, that won't do it. Then do what you're supposed to do. What is it? Tend to the sheep. I called you to be fishers of men. I've called you to be the leader. And the, the other disciples are there seeing. He is called to tend us. He is being restored to leadership. All right, Peter, that's not enough. Do you, do you really love me? Am I really first in your life, Peter? Above yourself, Peter? Above all that you wanted to do? Above all that you want? Peter says, you know that that's true. You know I, 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 I love you, Lord. Then he says the same thing, again, different word. I've already told you that. Then shepherd my sheep. Why? That's what he was called to do. He was called to be the shepherd. He was called to be the leader among the leaders. And he was called to shepherd them, to tend them, to care for them, to minister to them. If that isn't close enough and isn't practical to challenge us about whether we love the Lord more than what this world has to offer, or we love the Lord more than anything else or anyone else, and we love the Lord more than even ourselves, how about making it even deeper and more practical? And that's the third question, verse 17. So he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now again, I told you that a lot of times what gets caught up is because now it's not agape, it's phileo. I don't think that's the main point. The main point is, Peter, do you really love me? Now, wouldn't you be frustrated? I would. The Lord's asking him a third time whether Peter made the connection yet. I don't think so. He's asking him a third time because he denied him three times. No question about it. He's asking him a third time so publicly they'd know. No question about it. But is it the same type of question? Not really. Peter's grieved. He's upset with the fact that the Lord's continuing to ask him. But this time, it goes deeper. Do you love me beyond your life? Now, why does Pastor Dan say that? Why, does I, why do I think that one's any different from the one prior to it? Because the text tells you that. What do you mean? Well, let me first of all deal with it again. What does he tell him a third time? He says, then tend my sheep. You see? The point is this, I said it earlier, know what you are called to do. What do I mean by that? Not only in your job, know what you are called to do in the body of Christ. And do it. And do it with heartiness. And serve the Lord in that capacity above all. 
and put all into it. That's what it should be. His call was to follow the Lord and to tend to the sheep. And that should have been his primary focus. And that would be above what the world has to offer. That would be above what his feelings are for himself and even above living if he were to be martyred. What do you mean by that? Even above his very life. That's what we have. We have it right here in the text. Look at verse 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself, he says, and walk wherever you wished. And we could relate that to us. You know, you're young, you do what you want. But when you get old, grow old, you will stretch out your hands. Now, that's an interesting term. And I think, if anything, you want to take some time with the Greek words. There's an interesting situation. Why? Because that can mean, literally, stretching out your arms. And we do know that it was referring to his martyrdom. How do we know that? Verse 19. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And tradition has held that not only was Peter crucified, but he chose to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy of that which his Savior had been crucified. And the Lord explains it right there. So when he was asking the third time, do you love me? Are you willing to die? The Lord wanted him to live for him right now. But even this life, in the text that you and I read in Luke just a few moments ago as a responsive reading, is very difficult for us if we're honest. Are you willing to love the Lord more than your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, and even life? It's a true test of whether you love the Lord. And for more, and what does that text tell you? You need to count the cost. You see, we get involved with telling people, just trust in Jesus Christ, all your problems are going to go away. Far from the truth. Peter was going to face a lot of persecution and even have to die for the cause of Christ. Were you willing for that, Peter? Yes, I am, Lord. And he had said that before. He was willing to die. He had said that in Matthew chapter 10. He had said it in Matthew chapter 16. And even since then, even from this text, let me help you with that. Peter is going to continue on. He's not going to go to crucifixion right away. In fact, I think if my math is somewhat correct, I think it's going to be about 30 more years, roughly give or take a few years. From this time that he's confronted with this question, the Lord is going to allow Peter some approximately 30 years to continue to minister the gospel and to be used by the Lord before he faces martyrdom. But the question right at the beginning he has to know, are you ready not only to love me more than this, are you ready to love me more than yourself, and are you ready to love me even to the point of your life? Because, Peter, that's what it's required. Peter answers, says, yes, I am. Then what are you to do? And he ends up with this, follow me. Do I love the Lord, I ask. And let me give you one more thing. Go with me to 1 Peter 5 for just a minute so I don't overlook this. 
I find it interesting that as Peter was used of God to write a portion of the New Testament, what his instruction is. Listen to this. Elders, get your ears open. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, who are shepherds, by the way, as your fellow elder and a witness, watch this, of the sufferings of Christ and partaker also of the glory to be revealed. What does he say? Shepherd the flock of God among you. That is what you are called to. Exercise oversight, not of compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Not for sort of gain, but for eagerness. Isn't that interesting? Some of the things that Peter was confronted with. Not yet as lording over these sheep that are allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And then he comes right back to Christ. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. You see, Peter had learned this lesson right here in our midst. And he was told that did you concentrate on shepherding? And then when he left a message for under shepherds, if you will, concentrate on your shepherding. Don't let anything else distract you from that. Now, there are those that are in a position like I am that are in what we call full-time and others that are not. But if you call the shepherd, shepherd. That's what you're called to do. Tend to the sheep. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, that lets me off the hook. I'm not an elder. Not at all. It comes right back to that. Do you love the Lord? Say, yeah, I do. Let me make it practical. More than this world, more than your job, more than your friends, more than your relatives? I'll let you answer that. Do you love the Lord? You say, yes, I do. More than you love yourself? Scriptures are clear on that one, by the way. No man had ever hated himself. You know, there are people that say, I hate myself, I hate what I do. Oh, those are moments. But we do everything we can to protect this life and this body and do whatever we can. And you know what? That's a sign of just how important you are to yourself. Same with me. Do we love the Lord more than that? What if it's all taken away? What if you lose your health? What if you lose those things that are important to you? Then will you love the Lord? In this audience, you'd say yes. Peter needed to know. You love me that much? Peter, third question, do you love me more than this life? Think about the things that you do to preserve your life on this earth. Do you love the Lord more than that? Yes, the question was for Peter. Yes, I do think that it is important Greek words. I didn't mean to make light of that. But I think it's a lot deeper here. Peter had denied the Lord publicly, and the Lord wanted not only Peter, but his disciples to know, you know what? He failed, but my love for you is that great that you are restored, and I am going to use you to shepherd this flock. But Peter, you need to get into focus something. 
in order for you to shepherd and to follow me, you need to love me more than them, more than this world, more than yourself, and more than the very life that you have, or you won't be able to tend the sheep and shepherd the flock and follow me like you should. And I think it's practical to us. What is it? Time goes by, and sometimes people will say they love the Lord, and then you see them fade. Sometimes it's because they're not true believers. John makes that clear. Some go out from us, and it's because they weren't of us. And I'm not talking about Fellowship Bible Church. I'm talking about the Lord. They said they loved the Lord, but it was the world that took them away, just like the parable. Or it was a relative that they couldn't take the pressure anymore. Or it was because they might lose that job or position at the most lucrative time. Or it was something else. And they didn't see it, but years down the line, you go look and you say, they don't even read. They don't even study. Did they know the Lord? In many cases, they didn't. But there are also believers who get sidetracked. Because the focus really isn't on the one that they say they love. And then what happens is all these other things to please all these other circumstances get caught up and they lose focus. And that's why I challenge you right in that pew. What are you called primarily to do? And yes, it's to love the Lord first. But then focus on that. And don't get so caught up because if you're not focused on loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and spirit, all those other things will take you away from the things of the Lord and you won't be able to do what you're supposed to do. Peter needed to get that into focus. So it wasn't just for the disciples. It wasn't just for the three times, as important as that was. It was to really get Peter focused because you know what? I think you know the scripture. This church knows it pretty well. It isn't going to be long that this man's heart's going to be changed and he's going to be so bold that he's going to stand before rulers in the book of Acts and he's going to tell them, you crucified him and if you don't believe, you're going to hell. And he's going to say it with boldness and he's going to shepherd and he's going to take others and he's going to take them under their wing and he's going to shepherd them and counsel them and guide them and it isn't going to matter because he's not going to be distracted by anything when he's put in prison Paul's going to go through the same thing and stoning isn't going to detract him because he's going to know who his Lord is and he's going to love the Lord above everything else. So you're not necessarily called to leave that job and you're not necessarily called to go someplace else, but you are called with the same thing that Peter's called here and challenged with, as am I. Do I love the Lord? It'll be seen by obeying his commands, yes but it'll be seen if I love him more than these things, more than myself, and more than even life. Because one day we'll be with him for all eternity. And this isn't necessarily a call for us to be martyred. For Peter it was. And he stood the test because Peter's focus got back to where it needed to be, not even on the fishing, not even on the disciples around him. He's gonna lose that next week for a minute and he's going to go right back to John. He's going to get the same message. Peter, you missed it. Follow me.
Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, I do thank you that we can say as believers, we love you. But it's only possible because you first loved us. Father, what a love. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, while we were lost, while we were helpless, Paul said, Christ died for us. You so loved the world that you sent him in. The world became flesh. What an expression of love. And laid down his life to make it possible for us to have this relationship with you and to love you. So, Father, we don't love you on our own, but we love you because you first loved us and you've worked in our hearts. But, Father, you challenged that love as you did with Peter. Is it above all that could be offered to us? Is it above ourselves and is it above life itself? It's a challenging question. And Father, I pray first of all, if there be any who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would see coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is just an issue of faith. It's an issue of believing. But Father, it is committing their lives to Christ. It is coming to him in total submission, realizing that you are Lord of their life. And I pray, Father, you'd help them to count that cost. And Father, we thank you that to those who have come, we have inheritance that's undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. We have a life that's a life of eternity that'll be spent with Christ. And Father, we thank you that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit and the power to proclaim the gospel. And in this time of Christmas, where celebrations go on, help us to be bold with that gospel and help us not to be afraid what other people are going to think. Help us not to be afraid of circumstances or what our image might be, but help us to boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ because we do love you. And I pray, Father, and thank you for Peter's questioning, and I thank you for the challenge that it is to our own lives of our love for you. But, Father, help us to express it throughout the week we thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.